This is Anne Fremantle introducing the first of WNYC's PEN, P-E-N, portrait. What is PEN, P-E-N? PEN is an independent world association of writers. The initials, P-E-N, stand for poets, playwrights, essayists, editors, novelists, and by implication of the initials, for all writers. PEN was founded in 1921 in London by John Galsworthy, who became its first international president. American Penn was founded in 1922, with Booth Tarkington as its first president. Among other presidents of American Penn have been Robert Frost, Dorothy Thompson, Marshall Shute, B.J. Shute, and Leonid Dell. The present president of International Penn is the old novelist, V.S. Pritchett. The present pre president of American Penn is the young novelist, Jerzy Kosinski. Penn has over 80 centers in 60 countries of Europe, North and South America, Asia and Africa. World membership is around 10,000. American Penn, which has its headquarters in New York, but draws its members from all over the United States, has 1,500 members. Membership is by invitation of the membership committee, extended to published writers of demonstrated accomplishment. What is Penn for? What does Penn do? PEN, P-E-N, exists to promote worldwide friendship and intellectual cooperation among men and women of letters. PEN is a purely literary association, working in a practical way on all matters of concern to writers generally. Better protection of literary copyrights, better deals for translators, workshops for beginning writers in underprivileged areas, lectures and receptions for foreign authors coming here. PEN has no politics but it is against the imprisonment of writers for political reasons. And Penn members in the Penn Charter pledge themselves to oppose any form of suppression of freedom of expression in the country and community to which they belong. Penn is therefore against all censorship of the written word. Talking with each other today on WNYC radio under the auspices of Penn, D-E-N, are Hortense Kalischer of the executive board of Penn and Dwight MacDonald whom Penn recently honoured at one of Penn's literary parties. Hortense Kalischer, a novelist, short story writer and autobiographer, is in private life the wife of a fellow author, Kurt Harnack. Hortense Kalischer has a degree from Barnard, is a member of the National Council of Arts and Letters, has had a Guggenheim Fellowship, and was sent by the United States State Department to Southeast Asia as a grantee. She is the author of many novels and short stories, and of an autobiography herself, published in 1972. She is a consummate artist whom other writers unreservedly admire. She is also a very modest person, writing, quote, what I had since childhood been spiritually forced to do, I had finally, after some 30 years, found myself capable of doing. Her latest novel, Eagle Eye, was published in 1973. Dwight MacDonald, whom the New York Times recently dubbed one of our foremost intellectuals, has his BA from Yale, was founder and editor of Politics magazine from 1944 to 1949, has been a staff writer for The New Yorker, and writes also for Esquire and The New Yorker of Your Books. He has published several collections of essays, perhaps the best known, is Against the American Grain. His most recent new book is Discriminations. Hortense Kalischer and Dwight MacDonald, two deservedly very well-known authors, will now, I hope, deal faithfully with the question, is the multimedia benign or maleficent? Dwight, 
In your new book, Discriminations, you write that what you wrote about our invisible poor in The New Yorker in 1963, you were reviewing Mike Harrington's book, influenced not only Pat Moynihan and Theodore Sorensen, but also President Kennedy. Wouldn't you say that was an example of the multimedia having a benign effect? Well, I would say an example of me having a benign <laughs> effect. <laughs> uh, what do you mean multimedia? The New Yorker is a magazine. Well, why, why multimedia, multi? I, I'm afraid I include multimedia any large circulation uh, yeah. written word. I well, think. I think some uh, large circulation uh, things, such as the Washington Post, New York Times, and the New Yorker, have a, on the whole a good effect. I think some other ones don't. Well, I would even I would certainly include television because the first downfall of uh, of a man in politics that I saw was uh, Senator McCarthy. Right, I remember those hearings. Yeah. And another writer and yeah. I uh, <laughs> made uh, we had no television at the time. I went over to her house and we we, we gave up writing for the month or whatever it took. You know? Yeah. So that. Uh, well, that um, was splendid, wasn't it? I mean, it took a little a longer in the case of Nixon, but... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, in fact, the, the, the first big crack, though, was, was also on television, and that was that famous uh, um, um, uh, hour by, uh, you know, by, um, you know, the guy that smoked all the time, Ed um, Morrow. Oh, Ed Morrow, yes. You know, he did a uh, thing on McCarthy about two months before that. Oh, but, I didn't the, see that. Yeah, but that but was the was, first This beginning. was really when I saw oh, yeah, that. that was, yeah, it is yeah, very, yeah. I think it's probably impossible to lie on television. Right, right. It it's very show, hard over the yeah. phone, but it's worse. If you're good on voices, but it's worse on It's on quite interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. remember when Mr. Nixon said, I am not a crook? There was mm. no question but that he was. Right, yes. <laughs> well, of course, he wouldn't have said it if he, <laughs> if he hadn't, hadn't been. But also, you could see when you, when you looked at him, I saw him when he was exactly. making that statement. You know, yeah. so. I do have something else yeah. to say, though, about uh, the, in the psychic influence of multimedia in a very different way, in a much, to me, more basic way, so that you don't discuss what magazines do or what they don't do or telly. Uh, it seems to me that this is the first century, really, the first time uh, that um, people all over the world are tuned into each other's suffering. They are also tuned into each other's uh, good things, but uh, suffering is news, and uh, that's what they hear. Um, and I think that that makes for two great possibilities, uh, both of which you see happening. Um, the first thing, and n neither of these is good, the first thing is that people who have consciences um, are oppressed by a weight of guilt that they carry around with them all the time because you know you you the minute anything happens anywhere in the world awful from an air crash to imminent war or to people abs being bombed on television you see it and those intelligent people and uh, con conscience people or religious people whatever i know seem to me to have for some years been burdened by this um, because they are not able to help uh, you can't rush out to every tragedy, you know. And this, is, I think, is a psychic thing. The other thing is that in time of war, or uh, we are rearing a generation of children who've had dead bodies with dinner. That is, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of families listen to the news just about supper time, but I'm sure many do. Without the whole Vietnam War. And I, I put it in a book once, and a character of mine said, we had a dead body with a salad. And uh, I think that this makes for a corresponding passivity and numbness in all of us. But I'm this not so sure about that. No, I'm no. not either. No, because it seems to me that one of the things that um, led the American people to uh, finally get out from under the Vietnam War and turn against mm -hmm. uh, Johnson and then later Nixon uh, was precisely their horror at seeing uh, certain of these uh, scenes on uh, television. Mm -hmm. 
Don't you I think hope so? so. I, mean, uh, I hope so, but I... Uh, I can see that the other thing might be the case, too. But, uh, no, I don't know. I, would, uh, I wonder about the children. Well, I think you, when you said that uh, well, people can't do anything about it, isn't compassion, I mean, compatire, suffering with, that suffering itself can be a good thing, I think. I think the fact that a child uh, sees human beings suffer, I don't know myself, but w when I was young, the fact that I saw little animals suffering in, in the mm -hmm. woods, I learned more about suffering from seeing a dying mole or a dying rabbit. But you didn't um, learn, you didn't see people, or did you see people uh, just turn aside blankly and go back to their salad, you know? Um, you no, see, this is what but, I mean, the, the enormous yeah, it's contrast. It's different to see it in, uh, in person, I think. I mean, if you yeah. saw it, if you saw somebody being uh, killed, mm -hmm. this would be a shocking thing. But uh, you do, uh, there is a distancing, of course, when you see it yes. on And it's that distancing that I wonder about. Yeah, then. but I don't know. I'm not sure that any truth is bad. Yeah. There's, there's a funny saying that, that um, truths can contradict each other, or can seem to contradict each other. I forget who said it, um, Aristotle or someone, but they never really do. And I'm not sure that the truth of, of the multimedia, of television and things, as long as it's true. But does it come over? Yes, I agree with you, but does it come over as truth? It comes over as a 15-minute dinner hour yeah, well, kind of thing. Well, Marvelous well. and good, and I listen every night, but I did during the war when there was one particular shot of a village exploding in, in people running, you know, one of those, one yeah. of the many great and terrible photographic memories that we have, we have of that war. And I just thought of it exploding in... Uh, thousands of living rooms all over, and life going on as it must, but well, still. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, for, for that matter, that famous um, uh, famous uh, photographs of, of the uh, Mylai, yeah. uh, the results of the Mylai massacre, that ditch full of women and children and yes. old well, men and so on. the little boy screaming. Well, yeah. that certainly had a big effect on yeah. people. It didn't, mm -hmm. it didn't uh, mm -hmm. habituate them at all. It was one of the no, I think I it was one turning of the points. Oh, oh, no, but there's no question about that, yeah. that, yeah. that thing, mm -hmm. yeah. I think perhaps we'd have uh, to be a lot of uh, ghouls, really. That that <laughs> sometimes I well, think. Well, <laughs> uh, should we pass that thought? <laughs> I wonder so much about the um, whether television isn't perhaps better than some of the multimedia, the other multimedia. I remember in your book, uh, Dwight, you talk about mass cult entrepreneur being when you're being rather rude about Henry, the late Henry Luce. And I'm not sure, what would you think that perhaps there is more truth in television than in some oh, of no. the magazines? <laughs> Television is, is on, it, it's the lowest of all the mass media, television. Oh. I'm not talking now about the news. Uh, ah. the, the news, I, I, I mean, no, the, the news is pretty uh, pretty primitive, too, for that yeah. matter. But, uh, I mean, the other stuff, the uh, le level of television is incredibly low. I was thinking about I mean, Luce is a genius compared to the uh, <laughs> Madison Avenue people that put together these television shows. Don't you think so? Well, depending on which ones yeah. you mean. Uh, oh, I well, some of the Channel 13 stuff is, 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 is quite good, of yes, course. Yes, and, yeah, but that's and sometimes public television can be oh, both yes, but silly yeah. and uh, then rather remarkable. Oh, sure, but mm -hmm. this is... Uh, of course, I don't mean... Uh, the, I mean the, the, the public access channel sometimes. I, I have a affinity oh, I don't know for what that. You mean by that. Yeah. Well, I just uh, mean NBC, CBS, yeah. oh, ABC. Yes. I mean the... Well, the world of the imagination is pretty... <laughs> no, but you uh, see, a, a, a television has to be uh, aimed at the lowest common yes. denominator. It has to. It's the only one of the mass media that is still doesn't uh, isn't split up into into different markets, uh, even cultural markets. For instance, in movies, you know, uh, there are there are at least two different kinds of movies. There's the big uh, blockbuster movies, you know, the mass yes, movies, true. airport stuff like that, and then there's the kind of movies that let's say uh, Antonioni and Fellini and and Bergman make. 
Well, I think so. that the television certainly is behind movies, but they're both coming up uh, fast in a particular way. Not always, uh, you'd have to say so many things about what they present, how, that we don't have time for. But I remember how a short time ago, uh, the movies were simply not dealing with with oh, real no, life not at a all. Short time ago, yes. at least fifteen, uh, fifteen years, at least fifteen years ago, began this whole. It's all in Europe. That's probably yes, true. Yes, yes. I mean American sure. movies. Oh, right? American yes. movies. Oh yes. Well, they're still yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. But now there's, there's the cinema verite has come. Yeah, you know, but, to a but degree. But they exploit that just the way. Well, they, know. they get Hollywood their insights later than books. You know, I want no, to say. No. But, uh, I don't think that's and apparently there's this oh, new American one about movie. Vietnam that um, Columbia made, which is... Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw some, uh, half of that, yeah. Because there's an interesting They're example. not releasing it, are they? No, they won't release well, it. Well, I, I think they'll probably will, but I, I don't know whether they will or not. But anyway, I saw half Hearts of... Hearts and Minds. Hearts and Minds. You know, um, there's an example, though, of the most unrestrained use of the medium to make um, uh, perfectly valid points, from my point of view. It's, you know, it's mm -hmm. against the policy in Vietnam, but... Yes. The way he does it, it seems to me, is so unfair and so, you know, advertising man kind of thing. For instance, two things: he has a, he has a sequence of a, of a of a football coach giving an inspirational talk, you know, in the locker room and so on. You have to get win and so on. Then they have the bands and the, and the football. All right, and then immediately you have bombing Vietnam Village. Well, now it's true that the football is a competitive thing, and it certainly shows something about America. But still, that's a little bit too. And the point one is to too one. easy. Yeah. Too easy. And then the worst one was a scene in a, in a brothel in Saigon with some naked uh, whores and uh, drunken GIs who were treating them rather brutally. And then it occurred to me, that, but this has been true since the Peloponnesian War, that <laughs> soldiers get drunk and treat whores brutally. Well, that's what so I said. So it doesn't say show anything that, about that, America. Um, yeah. Movies and television, yeah. both when they get their yeah. insights very fast, they mm -hmm. think they have made art and they they haven't once again they've made opinion or uh, it's very hard to mm. to create exactly. imagination without uh, uh, becoming either pedestrian or or uh, I think uh, Dwight made a very important point there about the Peloponnesian War I remember being delighted with the poem of Peter Verix in World War Two when um, everybody was writing Kilroy was here yeah. and he began a poem Ulysses to that other war and I think <laughs> <Yes>. one of the <laughs> Ulysses was there too yes <laughs> almost everywhere yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's it, one of the things w we might all perhaps agree on or disagree on is that the whether the multimedia gives that sense of the continuity of history I mean after all we are in history and uh, what Dwight pointed out was that uh, the brothel has always been the uh, solace of the <laughs> soldier in everything from the Peloponnesian War on. And if the multimedia gives that sense to us of, of yesterday and tomorrow, I think some of the great movies do that very much. I think that new French movie about the, the boy who was a collaborator, for instance. No, I, haven't seen I don't know. Mm, no. You've seen that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like it much, but I, I like the other one much better, The Sorrow and the Pity. That the Sorrow and the Pity. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that made it very clear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that connects. Yeah. You remember the only yeah. connect. Well, I suppose uh, that they would have to, however, they, their eye would always be on, on presenting something as new, the idea of eternity or universality in that, uh, in the sense that, uh, in a literary sense, is really not something that they would particularly have their eye on. But of course we must distinguish between movies like uh, Lucien, Le, Le Combe Lucien and 
and the sound and the pity and uh, this uh, marvelous Fellini movie called uh, Amar Khod. Khod, yeah, which is also about the past and yes, about, and about, yeah. the, and about the fertility I love rights everything and everything except yeah. that uh, that yeah. interlocutor, the lawyer, who you know the yeah he was a little too, too, too much, yeah, yeah. but the marvelous but, man who uh, who would climb the tree. Yes, and it says <laughs> I want a woman. Yeah, that was one of the most. Lyrical sense, but you yeah. know the movie that I remember uh, most, um, and I, uh, I remember them so well for one day that I can't work the next day. But then the ones that last, the ones, is um, uh, Shame, Bergman's Shame, which I thought at the time was a rather bad that. movie. Yeah. Um, hmm. But it got it got to you. It I I can't yeah. forget it in my. Uh, that's eye. the one that ends with all the bodies in the yes, bobbing yes, in the water. Yes, I, yes, yes, and the two uh, people yeah, crouching yeah. in the house. Yeah. And it said yeah. as much about war as one could say without uh, characters, really. But but these are not examples of mass media. Well, yes and no. Well, no, because I mean, the, no, they're movies, but a movie. Yes, but not but yeah, but not compared to the numbers of the sea airport. Don't you see what I mean? I well, mean, these are different, or rather, it's 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 like Dickens. Dickens is not a mass. Novelist, he's not a you know he's a serious novelist. And he well, had a big circulation. Oh, well, that's what you're you're making yeah. the distinction between things that are sure. not for the lowest common denominator yeah, and right. things that yeah. are but on in, the way to uh, art or there. Yeah, but know? but but the Dickenses are big exceptions in the world of bestsellers. Mm -hmm. You know. Yes, that's yeah, true. So you have to always. Uh, on the other hand, the, the the fact that certain media can reach an enormous amount of people uh, doesn't necessarily invalidate. No, no, not necessarily. No. To <laughs> no, not, neces not necessarily. But although, yeah, I, I think if a media, the the, re the reason BBC television is uh, and radio has always been so good is because they have this so-called you know third what a third channel. Yeah. Yes. Now this has about ten percent of the audience. It would be impossible over here. You know, you got to get. Do you really think it would? Or has five percent maybe? Mm -hmm. What? Do you really? Well, it would have to be a government thing. Of and course it would, would be, it, yeah. but not our yeah. government, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, so therefore there is an elitist uh, or a minority, a very small minority, a business of any such uh, thing. You know, I used to, I thought the other day that the Greeks used to kill the messenger who brought the bad news, and if uh, that threat were <laughs> over the media's head, well, if they know. bring the wrong news, that might change things. But I don't <laughs> look for it in my time. <laughs> <laughs> what a bloodthirsty idea. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, I think that it's, it, it, it would, would either of you disagree or agree that it must not be government controlled? I mean, it's all very well the BBC happens to be uh, a fairly successful experiment, but I'm not sure that government control on media is what. No, it's not very good. Of course, the BBC, I think, has a quite a lot of independence, doesn't it? It used to, but I've heard recently uh, yeah, that there was there's been some change. Yeah, maybe, yeah. but but uh, but during the, most of the time when the Channel Thirteen was so good, Channel Three, right? Um, we used to talk about. Because the British have a different by, kind of government. By, by the grace of God, Sir John Reith. I mean, he th he thought himself yeah. Almighty God. He was a very conceited character, and he he uh, ran it, uh, you know, very tight, a very tight ship. Well, I, I don't think uh, they interfered much with the uh, no Arts and, Council um, or the. But they're uh, very angry BBC. with with. Uh, um, Richard Burton's, uh, they've, said, they, they've said he won't, they, he won't be allowed on the BBC Which, uh, because uh, It was given the other night, and I saw, we saw about two minutes of it and turned it off because it was, I must say, pitched to the LCD, yeah, you know. Um, but the, if you were going to have, I I'm, never know what mind I am of, 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 between government um, television and government, um, it certainly I'd like interest in the arts, you have to think about the government, and we've just been through a very scarifying thing, maybe now... Uh, we we can think that 
government things run in the arts would it may have to come because of money in any case. But um, you know, Nixon actually did uh, increase enormously yes. the amount of money spent on the arts, and not with any strings either. But I mean, that what's it called? The National, what's it called? National Endowment. Yeah, the, yeah. Yes. Now that's really but been quite good. Think if he had got hold of television, what that might have seen. Yeah, well, Nixon yeah. did exert plenty of control on television, but not to uh, subsidize it. No. So. But don't you think it's monstrous? I'm sorry to come back to the BBC, but don't you think it's monstrous that they said they wouldn't have Burton on because he wrote a piece in the New yes, York Times against Shakespeare? Against, yes. against Shakespeare. Well, I think that's a good <laughs> good cause. <laughs> against against Churchill. Against <laughs> Churchill. But why shouldn't he? I thought he played Churchill. Well, it, it seems to us that I thought he played it. Played it. Of course. Yes. He played it on the BBC, and they said they didn't oh, run him. Well, I hope he's a better writer than he well, was I, a player. Because it's of course, that's awful. outrageous. Well, you didn't read it. Oh, I think it's outrageous to penalize him for the yes. fact that he it's utterly expresses unlike. an opinion. Yeah, isn't it utterly unlike British tradition? Yes, it's very odd, I think. I mean, it's rather shocking and, and frightening. Oh, I see. He, he, he acted the part yes. in the. Yeah, I thought that. And then he had a. And oh. then he had this long piece in the New York Times saying it, Churchill was a monster. Well, I think P.E.N. P.E.N. should uh, uh, well, ask about that. I think so. Something the PEN should Absolutely, take up because yeah. I mean the BBC seems to me to have no earthly right to even say that even if they don't. Well, do an it. actor is supposed to have a, a free right, yes. right to have a. That's why I say somebody said yeah, something to me recently about there being less freedom there, but I didn't pick it up, so I don't know what the t details. Well, are. I thought it was absolutely monstrous mm. because why shouldn't he write in the New York Times? It wasn't even in the English Times. I mean, yeah. if, if he wants to. Well, even in the, I think he has a right even in English now. <laughs> <laughs> so do I, but I mean they might say yeah. that you know the British government could mm. object in, in, in Churchill's own country on his centenary, but there's no objection to his doing it in the New York Times, for goodness sake. Well, well how, what do you think about books? Do you think books are the most beneficent? Or, or well, I think since we're all writers, we know what we think, but uh, um, books are normally exempted from mass media unless they become like, as you say, airport. Well, Jacqueline, right? Suzanne, and stuff like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. That kind of book, yeah. Well, that's not really, those aren't really books, you know, that. No, but your, your writings yeah. right, have had an enormous effect. Yeah, they haven't had very much sale, though. Well, that's <laughs> something else again. We're not discussing mercenary things. Uh, We're discussing... Uh, well, that's, uh, if you don't have sale, well, then I've had you, some need, you hope... <laughs> well, you can have an effect, of course, with a, with a small sale, because, uh, you know, it depends a lot on whether people pass it around and so on. And I remember yeah, in the war, uh, when I was first here, the effect that politics had. I mean, the fact that you produced, you published the first Simon Weil. Yeah, right, well, that little did you, I didn't yes. know that. Oh, sure, yes. I really introduced it to this country. Tremendous yeah. piece that went quite unknown, yeah, the yeah, Iliad. Yeah. Absolutely marvelous on force. Absolutely terrific. And that had a circulation of between uh, four and 6,000. Top mm -hmm. 6,000. And it had a tremendous and, effect. Uh, yeah, and, and I still run into people all the time. And, um, I have the feeling that every issue was passed around to at least 15 other people. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, must yeah. have been. Yeah. Well, I think that was partly the war yeah. that, you know, one couldn't get yeah, them so easily, right. and so one did pass anti -war it Anti-war paper, yeah. I know I was in yeah, Washington yeah. at that time, and we read it avidly. It, it was passed from hand to hand. Well, I'm a, I didn't know it was you, yeah. but I got it yeah. then, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, yeah you see, yeah. it's amazing yeah. how, how many yeah. people it was. Yeah. Yeah. Never forgot it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that gives one a good feeling, I think. I've never had any, you know, one doesn't meet uh, people who've been affected in, in, in any, well, one meets people who say so, but um, nothing uh, like that except in a very minor way of once. Uh, I wrote a letter to the Times, they, and they accepted it. They never had before. Uh, and I thought that they did so because it came from um, a main island, and they liked that kind of date. Uh, 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 well. It was when Humphrey and Nixon were running, and mm. uh, it was just after the Democratic camp had split, and I knew that all my 
good intellectual friends were running fast from Humphrey. But I thought Nixon would be elected if the Democrats didn't get together. So I wrote a letter and said that we should get behind Humphrey, but let it be known that we were against his war policies mm -hmm. and say we are going to vote for you because we don't want Nixon. But And I got enormous <laughs> mail. I didn't know what to do with it. And it was ultimately taken up by really? a Princeton professor. It went from college to college, or from college newspaper to college newspaper. It finally got to the Democratic Convention. Really? And, and oh. went on. And, but, you know, it was too late. But it, it amazed me. Yes. Yeah. Well, that does show, doesn't it, that it can be benign. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, of course. It depends on who's doing who's it. Who's running it. <laughs> but late. We're for the mother. We're not. Yeah. Probably. But on the whole, uh, it's better to have it than not, isn't it? I mean, countries mass which media. don't have mass media. No. Not mass media. Uh, no, I don't think it's better to have it than not. No? I think I think you should have free speech and free culture and so on. But um, no, I, I see no reason we have to have the kind of television we have here. No, but don't you think we should have some television? Well, I... It's like, it's like saying, should we not have popcorn or something? <laughs> I, I, yes, I guess so. I, I'm not, but I don't think um, I don't think it's, it's of any uh, value. I think of, of the most uh, of the quietest place I ever lived, which is in Iran, in uh, a walled house with no telephone. Any any news or invitation had to come to you by messenger, and we had no radio. It uh, was a very pleasant time, and uh, there were many <laughs> things that we didn't know about, and. Uh, but you wouldn't have wanted to live your whole life like No, that, that is no. true. I mean, but then I would have been happy, I think, to live my life with books and uh, letters. Concerts, far more plays. than come now to me because uh, of all the, the uh, frenetic yes. uh, way we live. Well, I think probably the feeling we, we all of us have is that multimedia are nice if, if we are for what they're saying. And yeah. <laughs> no? No, no, no. I think there's nothing wrong in itself with mass oh. culture. Well, I've said this at great length and... Exactly. In that book, yeah, sure. Mass no. cult entrepreneur. Something, something wrong with the whole concept of it. Well, if you have a mass, are you not going to have a mass culture? Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, but I mean, and I guess they have to have their bread and circuses, sure. And I, I wouldn't, but 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 don't let's kid ourselves that it's doing them any good. It doesn't do any good at all. It just, it's just a diversion. It does, you know. It's okay, it has to be serious <laughs> books and music and art. You know the kind of stuff that we that we would all enjoy. Uh, you know that's that's, that's one thing, and well, it's, always so, so. No. it's always been so. It's always been so. It's always been so. Yeah, but this idea is a very new idea in the last couple of centuries. This idea of having this manufactured. Uh, but you don't think junk no that, bread yeah. and no circuses is worse than bread and circuses? Well, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that, that oh, well, bread, uh, of course, is very. I think important. in this country that we have circuses. come very late to agree that there there is there are some people who think better or larger than others, and they need different kinds of bread. And, uh, yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. Oh. There, were, there were different audiences, and and uh, and we should make that distinction. That's that's always been my my. But you're like the child in Hans Andersen that, when saying the Lord's Prayer, was stopped after give us our daily bread. Its mother said, "Why, plenty of butter on it." <laughs> well, you know, American education uh, has gone through a long period of being tuned to the lowest common denominator, and that influences everything else that comes of it. Uh, we go back and forth in that. Yeah, right. The whole democratic business is not understood. It's you know, it's everybody doesn't have to be part of this. No, no. In fact, everybody isn't part. That of terrible it. world elite. Word elite. Yeah, you know, I don't know what, why people are worried about it. I mean, I'm a democrat in, in politics, I'm, uh -huh, I'm for, yeah. but I'm an elitist in culture. That's a good ending, I think. Right. <laughs> Democrats <laughs> in politics, but elitist in culture. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Hortense Kalisha, and thank you, Dwight McDonald 
for discussing Is the Multimedia Benign or Maleficent for Pen Portraits for WNYC.